Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Jenny. And today we're talking about selfless and supersymmetry. So lots of S episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder how many times I watched selfless before I was like, oh, selfless, like she doesn't have a self. Not to beat us to the, not to just hop immediately into it. I'm just saying, I I was like, oh, right. I didn't even like think of that angle. I was thinking it was like selfless, like. Like selfless. Yeah. Like the old Anya was or odd was selfless, mm. but like mm-hmm. not really. And well, we'll talk about it, but so we'll yeah, talk about okay. it. Yeah. So clever. Cause she doesn't have a self. So, right. Well, well before we jump right into the analysis, <laughs> <laughs> how are you doing? Oh, good. I'm coming out of a, a weekend in a staycation. Sounds, that's such a great idea. It was really fun, and I'm really sad that it's over. We literally this morning we were like, I could do this for like five more days. But I mean, I think I don't know who sets the definition of a staycation. Is it a staycation if you actually leave your house? I think it is because the idea really is that we only stayed in Manhattan instead of you know we live in Brooklyn, but we like went to. Um, I don't Manhattan. know what the rules are, but I do feel Seems like like it counts. Living in New York is probably one of the best places to do right. something like that. Like yeah. I'm not sure if I was like I'm just gonna go get a hotel room downtown if I would really feel that different. I don't yeah. think so because I'd be like, great, I work like right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Not really a good staycation. Yeah, yeah, and there's just so many neighborhoods. I mean, Manhattan is just is pretty huge, and there's a lot of neighborhoods. So it was like we did this once before, and we stayed somewhere else, and it really does. It's not that you. It's not like you can't go farther. It's easy to get around, but it does kind of make you like, oh, we'll just live in this part of the city this weekend. Anyway, I guess that's not exactly what we did, but it pretty much, and it was fun. And we like did massages and we got facials today, which was really fun. I really liked it. I haven't had one in a really long time and it felt good. And then we saw Moulin Rouge on Broadway, which was super fun and ate a lot of food. How was that show? I liked it. Was it um, basically the movie on Broadway? It it pretty much was. They did, most of the songs were different. Like, they were updated, you know, it was like updated oh, <laughs> cultural <interesting>. references. <laughs> Definitely a few moments I was like, okay, you guys are like trying a little too hard. But it was like such a spectacle. Like, literally, like when you walked in, it was so, like, they did a great job with the set. Like, literally, you walk in, and it's, like, the whole room is red. And it was, like, hard not to kind of get swept up in a, like, wow, they, like, really did it. (laughs) We're, like, really in the Moulin Rouge. And, like, the first, obviously, especially in the first half, I mean, it really was, like, the first half of the movie where it's, like, they do the can-can. Like, again, like, they didn't sing Nirvana like they do in the movie. They sang, I I forget even what all the songs were. Um, they must be paying out the nose <laughs> also for the, like, there were even more songs in the, in the musical than there were in the movie. It was also definitely catered to our demographic. Like every song was like, oh yeah, that one from when I was in eighth grade. Oh, that one from when I was 15. Like it was very like, ha ha ha. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably how people felt watching the movie if they were, you know, 15 years older than us. So what is the Nirvana song that they do in the movie? Oh, they sing, um, smells like teen spirit in like one of the opening numbers oh, you know like the guy all the guys in top hats say like here we are now entertainers like do a little grungy thing uh, yeah. don't like go full into it anyway um so definitely some parts that i thought were kind of cheesy but overall it was like it just like i mean like it was like a full you know like it was a really like this is a broadway performance like everyone is singing and dancing everything is like high octane yeah but i mean i think it's like i i watched that movie not that long ago and i was surprised 
not surprised, but like, I, I was like, Oh, is this just something that I was fond of because I was young or is this something that I really enjoy? And I really still like the movie quite a bit. And it definitely loses some of the like emotional nuance on a Broadway stage, you know, like it's like, I think that pulling that off is quite a bit harder. So, but I think on the flip side, like the performance, it was like hard not to feel like it's like a little bit like being at a concert. Cause it was like, yeah, they're just doing all the hits. Like, <laughs> and they look great doing it. You know, like everyone's covered in sparkles and velvet, like, I don't know. What else do you want? Broadway karaoke. <laughs> kind of. And I will say that they made a couple of updates to the story. I, um, I, I mean, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what, what their motivation was for that and how much of that was just, you know, in the course of adapting something, but I did like most of the changes, like Toulouse got a little more of a backstory and actually so did Satine. Um, and the Duke was more of a villain villain than like a bumbling idiot villain. <laughs> and he also got to sing some numbers. So, Anyway, I mean, I admittedly haven't watched that movie in a really long time. I think you would still like it. I mean, oh, I'm sure yeah. I would. I own it. I could go watch it. I had but, seen it a um, lot. And so I think I had to like take a little break, but it's very yeah. good. It, it's also like, I, I, you know, you and McGregor and Nicole Kidman are really good actors. I think like, I don't think they're overhyped really. And so to kind of be like, oh, they're doing this very melodramatic. Now I'm just talking about Moulin Rouge. I'm sorry. Anyway, it's just a great movie. And I think they are able to pull off this like, melodrama in a way that not everybody could. So it's like still kind of a silly movie, you know, and it's like a little bit cliched, but they make it work. Cause it's like this super stylish, but like also very emotional thing. Well, it's funny you say that because I, not to still, I assume everyone subject, wants a 20 year old movie review, right? <laughs> yeah. But I also remember like when Mulan Rush came out, like that was right after Nicole Kidman got divorced from Tom Cruise. Oh, and like, yeah. I don't think that she was thought of as like this amazing. No, actress. you're, you're like, right. Yes. Tom Cruise's wife. And this was like, the agree. first moment where people were like, oh my God, Hey, that Nicole Kidman. And like, from then on, she was only like in like Oscar bait movies and like, it's you true. know, A-list actress. But like, this was kind of the moment where everybody was like, Tour de Forest, Nicole Kidman. It's like, true, but even then, though, yeah. I don't think people were really pra- praising her acting exactly. I, I, I remember when Big Little Lies came out. F- f- side note, I still haven't seen any of it, but I remember reading some article where everyone was like, where have you guys all been? Nicole Kidman's been great this whole time. And I was like, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I'm sorry. She was really good in Practical Magic. Everybody No, I, I it's true. <laughs> it's true. But I do think she, you know, I mean... I, I think she is a little underestimated because she's kind of like a pretty actress and she was married to someone famous, but she's very good. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so it was fun. Uh, well, how, well, how are you? As you can hear, um, oh, yeah. I'm sitting in a construction zone. Like, I haven't I'm, heard it in a minute, so. I'm literally sitting here watching like the microphone pick up all this noise, so mm. apologies to everyone. I don't actually know what's happening. I think there is some sort of construction happening hap- like in the apartment above mine. Um, or one of the apartments above me. I don't know what's going on, but they've been at this banging for an hour, so. Mm. Yay, this is going to be a fun one to edit. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Sorry to you, sorry Um, to everyone else. Sorry we're recording at a different time. Sorry that my neighbors decided that, I don't know, they were unhappy with their apartment. Although, I don't know. I'm like, maybe it means that the people who were living there moved out and mm. then they're re- renovating, like, the kitchen or something before someone moves in. Interesting. Um, that's unlikely because that's why I had all of this noise, like, a year ago. Mm-hmm. But, and also, like, I still keep hearing, like, their little kid, like, running up and down the hallways at, like, 6 a.m., mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm hoping that they've moved out, but I don't think that they have. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anyway, it's going to be fun to listen to this. I apologize. Um, but otherwise, I'm good. I saw Hustlers last night. Oh, yeah? yeah? It was fun, yeah? 
yeah, it was, a, it was a, you know, it was not the rollicking spectacle I think I walked in expecting, but it oh, was interesting. Okay. really entertaining. Yeah. Um, I, it definitely had its moments. Like you thought there would be more stripping? No, I thought okay. there would be like, I don't know. It like the tone of it wasn't as like, it wasn't like watching like Ocean's 8. Like it was a little less of like a caper, right? Mm, like it mm-hmm. was more of like, oh, these women are just setting up these men and we're going to watch them do it. Like, right, right, you know, right, right. Yeah. It was a little grittier, sense. I think. Okay. But it didn't glamorize That's funny because I thought it was fluffier like. than I thought it was going to be. I guess we just, <laughs> it's funny how like your expectations change a movie, I guess. I was like, oh, I guess I thought they were going to hit some of that a little harder, but it was kind of like jokey joke. Yeah. No. But it was super enjoyable, I thought. It's like. I thought it was great. I thought Jennifer yeah. Lopez was fantastic. So. She was. Anyway, okay. then I watched Buffy and Angel. Oh, um, yeah. I've just, yeah, I've just been kind of like sitting around today listening to construction. And you mastered your segues. <laughs> I have. Um, <laughs> speaking of construction, <laughs> we're going to talk about Selfless, um, okay. which has a construction worker in it. So, yes. Yes, mastered, nailed it. Um, yeah. Yes, I actually so, meant the more literal, and then I watched Buffy, but also <laughs> the construction thing works. <laughs> um, okay, so Selfless is the episode I think we've both been waiting for. Yes. It's like very Anya-focused. And so we, I, I like cannot remember how this starts. I like literally just watched this an hour ago, so apologies. Oh, I think it starts. Does it start well, with a flashback? I, no, 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 no. It, does it not. starts okay. with the uh, oh Dawn and Willow Thank in her you. room, okay. like she's going to college, I just and then need a setting of the college. scene. So, yeah. yes, Willow is getting ready because she's starting back at school. Dawn's like, "Hey, don't worry. Like, I've learned the secret to life is just kind of like nod and smile yeah. at people and like <laughs> pretend you know what they're saying and like yes. you'll be fine." So Willow goes back to campus, and she you know, meets with her professors, like everything's good. Um, but she encounters Anya leaving the frat house at like, you know, the middle of the afternoon. So she's like, Hey, what are you doing here? Like leaving this frat house in the middle of the afternoon. And Anya's kind of like, Oh, well, I'm dating one of the guys now. Like, yeah, no big deal. Like whatever. But Willow sees that Anya has a little bit of blood on her. And as we know, where Mm -hmm. we found Anya was sitting in that frat house surrounded by, dead bodies in a very gruesome scene and she's sitting Mm -hmm. there in her dress going what have I done what have I done so obviously Anya has granted a wish in Mm -hmm. a spectacularly gruesome manner and as we've seen her throughout this season feeling some remorse about it but this one looks pretty bad so Willow walks into the house after and like sees the carnage basically um and she does find Anya's well I would also lump her as a victim. The girl who made the wish, she finds her in the frat house Mm -hmm. hiding in a closet. And she tells Willow what happened, that, oh, by the way, these men died because this spider, like, came and ripped their hearts out. And so Mm -hmm. Willow actually gets attacked by the spider, which is still lurking around the house, kind of uses magic and hurls it outside. So she calls Buffy and is like, hey, there's a spider demon on the loose. Like, you got to go find it. So Buffy (laughs) and Xander go tracking down this spider. They do find it. They do end up killing it. Um, But they also find another body in the woods. So I think now we're at like 13 dead people or something, Mm -hmm. 12 or 13. So this is not a small thing that Anya has done. So they all reconvene back at the house. They kind of start like figure out like, oh, this is Anya who did this. Um, and, you know, 
Xander and Buffy confront Willow, like, hey, how come you didn't happen to mention that this was a demon raised by Anya? And Buffy realizes, hey, you know, the reason she didn't is because Willow knows that now, like, the time has come, like, I have to kill Anya. Like, they can't keep ignoring that having an active vengeance demon in the town is not a big problem. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, the body count now is pretty big. So Buffy kind of rallies herself to go kill Anya. She tells Xander, I am the law. I'm the one who has to do this. And Xander rushes off to try and save Anya, warn her, whatever. Meanwhile, Willow is like, oh, actually, I've got the solution to this. And (laughs) she calls on Toffrin, who is the leader of Anya's vengeance clan, and tells him that, hey, I don't think, you know, Anya should be a vengeance demon anymore. So they all go end up back at the frat house. Buffy and Anya fight it out. And Toffrin shows up. He's like, well, I've had some words with, you know, Miss Rosenberg, and (laughs) she doesn't think that you should be a demon anymore, and it seems like the Slayer wants to kill you, but nobody's really asked you, Anyanka, like, what do you want? And so Mm -hmm. she says, you know what, I just want to take this back. I want this to not have happened, which is obviously not something Tahafrin is happy to hear. Um, yes. So he tells Anya, well, you know there's a price, and we've already learned this previously, that if Anya wants to undo her spells like there is a price to pay so she says you know i i know there's a price turns out the price is the life basically of a vengeance demon and anya thinks that she's negotiating to sacrifice herself you know xander's really unhappy about this but as anya tells him like this is my decision so she tells to Hoffren, i accept the price like i'm willing to sacrifice myself for undoing this spell um but Tahafrin is a vengeance demon so they love a twist and so he actually summons Hallie instead and kills her so Mm -hmm. Anya is still alive and now also responsible for the death of her best friend um yeah oops but (laughs) I think should have maybe known as he says why go for the kill when you can go for the pain um so Anya and Xander kind of like come to a like sort of truce understanding at the end of this, but mm-hmm. I mean Anya's obviously a mess. Um, but meanwhile, we've been getting these lovely like flashbacks of Anya's life mm-hmm. as a vengeance demon, which are not super integral to the plot. But I, so I left them out. But I just want to say that I really enjoy them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, uh, integral I mean, to the see, story maybe, but you not see, the like the plot. history yeah. of how Anya, like basically Anya's like millennium as a vengeance demon since the 800s basically yeah um apparently anya is responsible for the russian revolution in 1905 right so yes um but But i think yeah yeah. well we can talk about them you're right um and then we also get to check in on spike and at the end that um he's still seeing things in the basement because we think he's having a conversation with buffy turns out he's not the real buffy shows up and Speaking of that, before Tahafrin <clears throat> leaves, he's kind of like, well, whatever the hell with this, like, you'll all get what you deserve because from beneath you it devours. So mm-hmm. we get another reminder of this impending doom that is apparently coming. Yes, I'm sorry. Also, one key thing that you skipped is that um, at the end, in addition to killing Hallie, also Anya loses her powers. <laughs> That's right. You know, I actually wasn't so she's sure demon if again. she did or not. Or human again. I said she's demon again. She's human again. I think... That was definitely how I took it. See, I, I actually didn't know if she was. So um, mm. if anyone else knows, let us know. <laughs> da, da, hold on. No, he turns her human again. Okay. I, I think it was in the episode, but maybe not. Well, the Wikipedia, pa- the Buffy wiki says 
she's human again. I thought, because all she asked for was to take the spell back. So I thought that he just undid the spell and, like, released her from, like, her vengeance contract with him or something. But it wasn't really clear if she was Mm. a... Demon. Well, we can follow up. Yeah. I, I, he, I thought he said something about it, but I obviously didn't write it down. So I, who knows? But, but I do like, though, at the end, I mentioned this kind of briefly, like she and Xander have this conversation where, you know, all is not necessarily forgiven, but they do kind of come to sort of an impasse. And Anya says, you know, I for so long just kind of glommed on to the next thing that came. Like that's how she became a vengeance demon. Like we see her mm-hmm. turning her husband, fiance, whatever, Olaf, into a troll. And she's not a vengeance demon when she does this. She's, you know, just a gifted witch casting a spell, um, which impresses to Hoffman and gets his attention, much like when he met Willow back in season mm-hmm. four. Um, and so he offers her this life as a vengeance demon, and she's kind of like, hey, why not? And so that's how she became a vengeance demon. Then we know, like, she lost her powers in Sunnydale and then just fell in love with Xander and like because he was kind of there like she does have a tendency of like just doing whatever's in front of her and being that person and so maybe to your point originally she doesn't really know who her true self is well it's true okay so we should there's so much to talk about and it I yeah I mean I also say that because the other thing that again isn't necessarily like it's not part of the story of the present day, but the other flashback that we see in addition to all these things that she's done in her history was a flashback to the, you know, the musical, the day of the musical episode, which is that everybody's pouring out their heart and soul. And in the world's worst wig, (laughs) Anya sings actually a really, I thought gut wrenching song, um, about how she, I mean, it is kind of about that. Like, it's just really clear, I think in this episode and you and I have noted it a lot as we're going through this. I know part of it is because I had that song in my head, you know, cause I've seen this a right. hundred times. So like, I do know that that is a point that they get to, but it is funny to me again, going through this episode by episode, week by week, how obvious it is that she does it. At least in the show, we're never really shown any other side of her. And so it does really work for me that like kind of the big reveal is that there wasn't anything else to show. Like this is her whole life has been just glomming onto something. And a lot of it was spent as a vengeance demon kind of just because, and like that, yeah, once Xander left her, like what the heck else did she have to do? Kind of nothing. Well, it's a really funny commentary, I think. And something that we did bring up a little bit as a question after Xander left her, which is like, who is Anya without Xander? And it is an interesting commentary on this idea of like female characters are often very one dimensional and like only Mm -hmm. exist to be the significant other. And I Mm -hmm. almost see them here taking that and saying, yes, that's who she was, but guess what? That's actually who she was. Like she was one dimensional. There's nothing else to see here. And I mean, it's kind of funny because it's only in Anya's case where that, might be true now we know it's not really true like she has an inner life she has this whole history behind her but they do call attention kind to that of the and greatest we do know about it so, but there isn't you're right there isn't any hidden side that they haven't shown us like we see that she likes money and we see that she likes to be a vengeance demon and these are all things that we mm-hmm. knew um but it is funny that you know i kind of see the show acknowledging like she is one-dimensional but that was entirely intentional so I don't know if I would say it was entirely intentional, but I think that they're very clever to make it. Well, that know, they're now saying intentional. that it was intentional. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and, and to their point, obviously the show is full of interesting dynamic female characters. So like 
Anya was a side character. It's sort of like how, I mean, even Spike was like pretty one dimensional in the beginning because like it doesn't need to have all this backstory, <laughs> you know, but they're not going to be in the show that long. So yeah, I mean, I'm not like mad about it or anything, but um, anyway, now that I brought it up, I just want to say again, I, that song really got to me and I was a little bit surprised. So she breaks into the chorus and I was like, this is the saddest thing I've ever heard. And it's, I can't, I mean, kind of, again, it's like, it's so funny because like I, in the past, I've also kind of reacted to it as a like, Oh, are they just kind of going back to that? Well, because it was such a good way to have people express themselves and like they are doing that, but it still really got to me because I keep saying the same thing, but like, I guess I just mean to say kind of like a lot of the songs in once more with commentary where it's like, it's it's, I, I liked it. I thought it was like a very, like, it's such this like upbeat kind of beautiful ballad and like everything that she's saying is sad. Yeah. But, (laughs) and I'm not even expressly sad, just like, wow, knowing where we are now and thinking back on it and what that really means is it, it really, really hurt for me. I was like, I am so sad for you, Anya. I really think that it worked to go back to the well of the musical episode because something that we talked about with the musical episode was that it worked really well to like reveal these hidden truths. Mm-hmm. And I think it works when you see especially Anya doing a solo number, which should be like her real inner truth that she's just kind of belting out. Right. It's still about Xander and about like yeah. not like and re- specifically revealing that she doesn't have more and I mean yeah I just think that that's the best way they could have gotten that across like other than Anya just kind no, of no, like I agree. walking I, around going yeah. oh look at this bridal magazine well won't it be nice what am I gonna do with my you know like it yeah yeah no, no, I, I agree. And I, I guess, yeah, I don't mean it was a bad choice. I just mean like, oh, it, it feels for a second. I'm like, oh, this again. And then I'm like, oh, no, this is perfect. Um, no, well, because I think also it is, like, yeah, you can't. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think it is perfect because like, first of all, never like for, remember, like this is the final season. And like, I do think it's clever to go back to that well in an interesting way where like, they can't just have like another musical episode, but they can flash back and be like, there was a lot more to that than you guys saw. Right, and, right. I mean, cause she's, yeah. her song happens right after the end of they got the mustard out, which is right. <laughs> like even also more yeah, than that song. But I, but I think it's a clever way for them to circle back and say, you know, maybe what we're talking about is like, Oh, they're retroactively saying, Oh, this was intentional that she didn't have like hidden depths or two dimensions. But they're, they're not really doing that. At the same time, they're going back and saying, oh, no, there was I this whole right. inner yeah. life of hers that we never showed for so long. Because they're going back yeah. to a flashback that's happened. I guess I just like that. I Yeah, that like the lines that she sings in that song are hilarious. Like she starts, you know, she's like listing her maiden name and like it's really long because she's had all these different identities and like all this life. But then it's also like later she's like, you know, stupid fake made up maiden name Anya or whatever. Like it's really funny. But then again, that like just the underpinnings of like what she's really saying is it's like she's literally only Xander's bride now. Ugh. Well, and I mean, and, and then I it cuts back to that so- sword in the heart. She's in her wedding dress. <laughs> Well, yeah, later she's in her wedding dress. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I... Sorry, so to not... We kind of skipped over what we normally do because I guess this is so much to talk about in this episode, but I do really like this episode. I've been waiting for it. That said, I for some reason, I thought it was going to happen like several episodes later. I, I was kind of surprised that it was, we were here already, but I don't know. Yeah, I... I 
I can't help but feel like I wanted even more. Like, maybe I could have taken two Anya episodes to, like, really get through this, like, philosophical debate that they have to have about her and her place. And I do think that a lot of the, like, morals of this episode are very muddy. And, like, I'm not sure anybody really has the high ground that they think they have. But I just thought Anya was so great in this episode. Like, it really was great to... Yes, she doesn't maybe have an identity, but she really has grown into a person who was willing to sacrifice herself to make up for all the things that she's done. And obviously things don't turn out that way. And that also was really heart wrenching. But I, I really liked seeing her in that final moment and just be like, I am going to make my own decisions. This is the thing that I'm going to do and like apologize for everything. You know, like, I don't know. I think she really just like stood up this week and it was impressive or rather it was rewarding as a you know viewer. <laughs> It is rewarding as a viewer. I mean, this is a this is a fantastic <laughs> this is the whole episode, reason we're here. <laughs> I think for Anya for Right? This is um, a good episode. In McCaufield as well. Um Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I mean, I also agree with you. I thought it was coming a little bit later. Um Except I, I guess I was remembering the Olaf flashbacks and the spider demon being in different episodes, but yeah. Oh, I was mm-hmm. thinking the flashbacks were gonna come later, but you know, they really it's can we talk about the flashbacks a little bit? Because I, especially the ones back in the 800s, first of all, I'm not sure where they were supposed to be. Like they kept referencing Baltic people, Mm -hmm. but I seemed like Swedish or Norwegian or something, but. Well, the subtitle said they were speaking old German. Okay. So I don't know where where exactly that locates them. Like it could have been, could be anywhere. I mean, it couldn't be anywhere, but. Um, General old time. Yeah, obviously place. this is like <laughs> Viking, like Viking times. Sure. Um, and I would assume that they're some sort of Germanic kind of thing. I mean, Olaf definitely fits the bill, but um, mm-hmm. I just like the visuals of it were really funny to me. Like they kind of make it look like an old newsreel kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was. But funny. also <laughs> like we get to see Anya or odd as she was before. And yeah. she's even then like kind of on the outs with other people. Like we see that these traits of yeah. hers of being literal about everything and, you know, yeah. um, saying odd inappropriate things are not traits that came from her being a demon, demon for so head. long and suddenly human. It apparently was from her being human again. And she was always that way as a human. Yeah. Which I thought is a really interesting direction to go in. Um, because the, Yeah, me too. I kind of wasn't sure yeah, what to well, do with that, to like, be honest. So long, like, that was kind of the thing that like everybody agreed was yeah. like, why she was this way was because she's an ex-demon. But turns out, like no, that's not true. And maybe she was happy mm-hmm. to let them think that because it maybe was a little painful then to realize that out. she still yeah, couldn't connect yeah. with people. Um, yeah, that's a yeah, good point. And, like, you know, it's, and then we see her again as a demon, and she's thriving i mean she's maybe a workaholic but she's like obviously got the admiration <laughs> yes. of hallie and um the other demons and she's just everyone yeah she's de Hoffren's pet sort of yeah, or you know his but favorite. she's like really come into her own and so <laughs> it it's almost a little sad because we see like anya now has twice sort of had this for this choice forced on her to become human when it's really clear that human is not the mode that she's like best in yeah, it's an interesting yeah. point. Although now it's also clear that she can't succeed as a demon either. I mean, now she's really right. just I mean, she's screwed. just gone too far, but like in the other direction. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. But I, I, um, 
No, I like that. I think that is interesting. Yeah. Also, um, just quite, like, literally, these flashbacks were very hilarious. Like, they were. Everybody's and, talking yeah, like all they've the little been reveals. translated. Um, which I don't know if this yeah. was in, intentional, but I thought was really funny because they kept calling Anya out for, like, her literal interpretations of things. And, like, they literally sounded like they were talking with literal interpretations. Yeah. <laughs> um, hide your babies and your beadwork. So... Yeah. I guess just kind of going back to the present day and also rewinding to towards the beginning of the episode, because, yeah, so, you mm, sorry, I don't have a good segue into this or uh, just what I read on my notes is a thing that I wanted to talk about is that I I really like the opening shot. I mean, you know, the opening shot is Dawn and, and Willow or whatever, but then when it cuts to Anya and the way that it pans over, like, I don't know, I thought this was a really good horror episode you know or maybe not it's not like in these other ones that we've seen where it's like sort of a mini horror movie because the pacing isn't anything like that and like there's not jump scares or things like that but I the kind of like background horror movie that clearly happened of like girl goes to a party gets you know betrayed by boys like sort of carry you know a little carry story going on in the background um and then just that like I I guess they were just so effacing about the what she had done and like how many times it came up like how much blood there was how traumatized that girl was who had made the wish, how many bodies they kept finding. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I thought that was a good choice to really hit home kind of how severe this was. Do you know was. why I, I really agree with you? And I think that it was a fantastic choice for them to make Anya's actions in this episode so extreme. Um, was because yeah, one because, is the only yeah. thing that's going to finally get Buffy to be like, I must kill Anya. But exactly. also... Exactly. I was going to say, we can't have where that Where it otherwise. also was for me, and I, I really made note of this multiple times because I feel like they really seem to grasp at this, at this point in time, like what they've kind of done to the character. And, and that fact that we, we talk about this a lot, how, you know, Anya's a demon, Spike's a demon and their treatment is very different. Um, and the shame that they're made to feel is, like, very different. Like, Spike gets the pass because he's just a demon, and Anya's, like, made to pay for being a demon historically and, like, human. And so now that she's a demon, it creates this weird, like, double standard where... I would throw Willow, Willow too, in there, yeah, too, because, which Because well, they do throw up. Willow yeah. there in this episode, too. Yeah, And yeah. the fact that, like, more to say Anya's that a too. demon, but, like the show only really trots that out arbitrarily and like only like the punishment for being a demon is so varying and like arbitrary based on the situation. And I actually was like getting really, really annoyed that they were, I was like, once again, we're back in this argument and it's really unfair. And then the show calls it out and like has them, the characters have an (laughs) argument about this fact, how Xander is telling Buffy like, no, I agree. Oh, it's totally fine that they're evil when you're sleeping with them. But because it's someone that I care about, you don't care, which is totally fair until Buffy then goes all the way back and has to remind us and them. I mean, honestly, I kind of needed the reminder that she's like, yeah. hey, remember that time I killed Angel? Like, and I was like, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> yeah. No, I, ha- I I think you're right. I did really enjoy that conversation. I can't say that I'm completely swayed into Buffy's final decision, though. But I I did think yes, it was very helpful to have them all get all their cards on the table for once, you know, and again, kind of the opposite of last season. It's like, at least everybody's being honest with one another, even if they're not agreeing with their final choices. Like I do think that that they're in a much healthier place kind of as a group, you know, 
even some honesty coming out like five yeah. years after the fact. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love when that this finally gets revealed that that stupid thing that sorry, I try not to curse that stupid thing that Xander said. And, you know, he says that Willow said, oh, kick his ass. And then Willow was like, I never said that. It's like, <laughs> finally, somebody gets this out in the open. <laughs> Took five um, years, but OK. <laughs> yeah, but I guess it's, you know, again, like I think it's just so hard to keep trying to navigate this show with those rules. And it's like, it really is just become, has become like, it's a case by case basis. And it's completely based on emotion. It's completely based on how we feel about those characters at any given time at this point. I mean, and I'm not sure if that's the right choice or the wrong choice ultimately for the show, but like, it's just impossible to try and pretend like there's any coherent rules anymore. Like, or at least like anyone's adhering to them because there we're not, and I'm not either. I know I'm not, you know, but that said, I, I was really swayed by Xander's argument, which essentially was that, like, I get that Willow was still a human last season, but that really feels like a thin line when she was completely overtaken by magic. And his ultimate point being that, like, what we tried to do was help our friend and that Anya is more or less in the same position. She is a demon, but she's such a human-like demon. I don't know. I just don't see how they haven't even tried to have that conversation with her at least once. At least I don't think so in a meaningful way. You know, like they've only just started making inroads with Anya again, like as her own person, as her own entity. And so to kind of be like, well, now she's evil. So we got to kill her. It just feels really cruel to me. And I understand kind of why Buffy feels that she has to do that, but I don't personally think it's the right choice. (laughs) I get that Anya has crossed the line, but I, and I agree, like we're both agreeing that like the show is doing a good job of, of really depicting how far she's gone. It's just not that much farther than how Willow went. And I, and because no one's ever tried to give Anya that opportunity before, I just wish that they had said something to her. No, I agree. It's like they kind of went from concern to like, you know, the nuclear option, like, really quickly whereas like even in these last few episodes they've been so antagonistic towards her so it's not like oh there was that time where they were all trying to be nice you know I don't know I don't know yeah sorry I cut you off no no it's it's fine like I I mean it's it's frustrating to kind of watch it happen which is why I'm saying like I'm kind of glad they did call it out Mm -hmm. a little bit but it does still Mm -hmm. feel a little bit quick like you know Willow got a whole episode where they were like Willow's like killing people and like flaying people alive but let's make sure she's okay and like you know Anya's you know killed 12 people (laughs) that we know of but people we've never met before like whatever yeah um but you know I mean I don't know though like are we supposed to think of Willow's like previous like interactions with Anya's to be like the part where they tried to make it okay and maybe they're referencing stuff that we didn't see but it does, I agree with you, like, it does feel like they didn't really give her quite the number of chances as, say, I don't know, Spike has gotten. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, totally. Who um, is still getting, like, Buffy's still going down to the basement trying to get him out of there, so. Yeah, yeah. Because, okay, so speaking yes. of that yes. whole conversation. Okay. I briefly got really angry until I realized that it was the first it was fake talking Buffy. Because I was like, <laughs> what the hell? I know I also love that like the way you can tell fake Buffy apart from real Buffy is that like she's not being nice to him at all. Or at least you know, she is being nice by going there at all, but like she's being very direct with him. But like, ah, like, that's right. <laughs> she's trying to get him out of the basement and like fake Buffy is like, oh, 
it's okay. And Spike's like, why? Like, it, I shouldn't. I don't like. You don't owe me anything. Not after yeah, like what yeah. happened. And She's Buffy's like, like, oh, oh it's, it's okay. different now. You're different. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> And then I, was, no, then I realized, oh, okay, that's too. not Buffy. Thank God, because can you imagine trying to have that conversation in this episode, have it actually right. be Buffy, and then turn around and have this whole separate conversation about Anya? Like, the show, like, this yeah. whole episode would fall apart. It's true. I, God, and talking about it now, like, how meta is this whole storyline? I mean, at least it feels very self-aware of, like, these are all the things that were sort of the problem with Anya in the show is that like, she didn't get enough time. So here's all the time. And also here's what it turns out, how we turn that into a story. I mean, it's great is kind of what I'm saying. It's kind of masterful the way that they've managed to turn it into something that's not just make, doesn't just make sense, but is actually really, yeah, fruitful and rewarding for us. But yes, you're right. I'm glad that that was fake Buffy and not real Buffy. (laughs) I too was like, um, I don't remember this. (laughs) Um, okay. Also speaking of other characters in this episode, how great also was so willow is the one that kind of just uncovers what's gone on and she finds the girl who made this wish at the frat house like in the closet quivering obviously really upset and only to find out that like also there's a huge spider creature demon thing above your head and she has to for the first time since we've seen her come back really use her magic again well okay she did that locator spell but you know what i mean like she kind of has to call on her powers again quickly to make a a snap like kind of defensive maneuver and it pulls this really dark thing out of her for a second and I thought that was a really cool just like moment like we don't dwell on it it doesn't come up again in this episode but like I think it's nice to kind of kind of like how you know often I'm like oh I wish they had just shown one snippet of that here or there before we like have this big fallout about it like I feel like this is a really smart way to just kind of remind us like this is kind of where Willow's at it's not a bad she's not bad again it's not that she's not recovered exactly but it's like that is still a part of her and she's still working through it. I thought that was smart. I thought so too, especially in an episode where she's repeatedly refusing to do magic. Um, yes. That was important to see. And I also want to call out something that I, a detail that I absolutely loved about this is the reveal that even Dark Willow is concerned about academics. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did she say? She, because... The professor was talking to Willow and she was like, oh, I oh, was really right, right, concerned, right. you know, like your, oh, your right. grades dropped off after the <laughs> midterms, but then you turned it all around in the finals and aced all your tests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the implication like being that Dark Willow just like magicked her way through finals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost, yeah, almost, but not at all like magic. Yeah. And I love that little detail because it was like, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have to say, too, okay, so when Willow finds that girl in the closet and she's like, what happened? And she's like, oh, it was so awful. They brought me here. Boy, oh, boy, was I braced for something even something worse, worse than that. Did you yeah. feel that way, too? I And then I don't mean to belittle what she went through. Obviously, those guys are jerks. Did not quite deserve to have their hearts literally ripped from their bodies by a, a demon. But I, I, not I, I don't mean to take away from... Not for what they actually did, but for where I thought right. that was going, I was like, good job, sure. Anya. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and I think that's part of it, too, right? I just... I don't know. Did it always feel that way watching this episode? Or are we just like in such a place in 2019 that I'm like, well, I just assume that there's like some huge violation and assault that took place. So yeah, um, I don't know. That's a great question. It, it was I don't... a weird feeling to be like mildly relieved. I was like, Oh God, I obviously she has every right to be really upset. And that's a really awful thing that they did. And I'm not trying to underplay that, but like, God, when you really brace yourself for like, Oh my God, what's she going to say? I'm like, Oh, okay. No, I, I was bracing myself too, but mm-hmm. I don't remember what my historical assumptions were about that. Sad about Hallie kind of. <laughs> Yeah, eh. kind of. <laughs> I mean, not that sad. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> just kind of a jerk. 
<laughs> She's not good for Anya. <laughs> no, or or Dawn. Yeah, well, or anyone, but. Um. Okay, so this was actually Alex's observation. I feel like you maybe noticed this too. Um, it was kind of a, I think, a bit of sloppy writing in a pretty good to great episode that when Dahafran tell is telling Anya the price of undoing her magic, he says it's the life and soul of a vengeance demon. I'm like, why are we uh, even bringing yeah. this into this? Why did you say that? If the whole <laughs> point that is that demons don't have <laughs> souls, why? I'm certain that he, and I'm certain that that wasn't like a clever, like, you know, bit of canon like thrown in there. I'm sure somebody just wrote that and like forgot. Hey, souls have this whole laden, they're laden <laughs> with burden of meaning in this show. Like, don't even bring it up. <laughs> That kind of went over my head, but yeah, that is really slappy. I'm like, what? Um, Why did you say that? Especially given and the whole like debate in the episode about people having souls. Like, I think they even yeah. talk about yeah. like the <laughs> yeah. reason they had to try extra hard with Willow is because she was human. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I think they've just. Um, I think the train has gotten away from them a little bit. Yeah, or or they're just also admitting that like, hey, it's meaningless now. <laughs> or we're using a different measurement now. I don't know what it is, but it's not that. <laughs> yeah, we've given up. We've given up on that one. It doesn't work anymore. Um. Okay, well that's what I have. Other than let me just say one more time because I think everybody in TV needs to hear this, and I don't know what the solution is, but boy oh boy was that flashback wig bad. The brunette one passable. I mean, still bad, but like acceptable. But that blonde one and the singing, oh God, it's like, it was such a good scene. And I was like, but that wig is so bad. I don't know why blonde wigs specifically also are like so difficult. I feel like we fired all the wig makers and you're like, we can do it ourselves. But like, that was a bad choice. Yeah, I don't know. Because like, I know wigs are expensive, but like how expensive? Like, can't there just Compared be to one the that TV you like budget. pass around the studio? Like I, yeah, I don't know. It seems like it I shouldn't just don't be that know. difficult to like, get their hands on them. I, I just think people undervalue like how important it is and how telling it is that it's not real. <laughs> All right. I mean, I think that's pretty much. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about Angel. Oh, yeah. Oops. All right. I have to explain what happened. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Oof. All right. Uh, OK, so supersymmetry. So a couple of storylines going on in this one, but the main one is about Fred. I'm yes. Uh, like we find out in the beginning that she hasn't left all of her scientific, you know, life behind and kind of on the down low, she's been doing all this research and writing a paper and it turns out it was a good paper and she got published. So she's really excited. She's bragging to Gunn and, or, you know, celebrating with Gunn, celebrating with everybody. And then she also finds out that because of this paper, she's been invited to speak at this, like, you know, some physics panel or whatever with all these really impressive academics and people that she knew from back at her time as her time back in her time as a grad student. And she's like, Oh my God, those people were so impressive. They're like the so-and-so and so-and-so of the physics world, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, she's really excited about all of this. Uh, they go angel and gun go with her to this panel just to support her, even though both of them make it clear that they don't know what she's talking about at all. Nor do I, frankly, something about particles and supersymmetry. I only even say supersymmetry is the name of the episode. But also uh, Wesley's there because he does understand this stuff and he's been keeping track of her and following kind of her career, even though he's not been really in communication with the group at all. Um, so Fred goes up to give her big speech and wouldn't you know it, a big portal opens up above her and a huge tentacle demon comes out and tries to grab her. Luckily, because God and Angel are there, they're able to stop it. Um, but it is you know, obviously very suspicious. She's also made many, much mention in this episode about her time in Pylea and kind you know, obviously her academic work is related to that 
because she was sucked into this interdimensional portal while she was doing research in the library. So yeah, it's like a big deal for her and it's highly traumatic that this happens kind of in this one golden opportunity that she has. So they obviously start doing investigations. They saw that Lila was there and think maybe she had something to do with it, but turns out she's just super jealous because Wesley left her to go watch Fred's speech. Fair enough. Um, and so after some shakedown and some, you know, kind of classic private eye detective work, they figure out that, um, a couple of other students have also gone missing and like, there's all these rumors around it. Apparently there's message boards where people talk about this kind of stuff and even just angel, um, in general. So they eventually gun an angel on their own, figure out that it's actually this professor that, uh, she got back in touch with at this, um, speech thing. What what did I already call it? Convention. It's like physics convention. Um, so Professor Seidel, it turns out, is the one who is the common link between all these students that have gone disappearing, and Fred has gone to meet with him. She also figures this out on her own because she finds this really highly suspicious book full of... Portal magic or something? Dimensional portal magic, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she is obviously incredibly upset because she's been talking this whole episode and reminding us how traumatic her time in Pylea was, how she was a slave, an actual slave and how badly she was treated, how she couldn't talk, et cetera, all these other things. So she is incredibly angry and tells everybody that she's going to kill him. She wants him to pay for what he did and gun and angel, you know, try to talk her out of it and say like, you don't really want to do this. It'll be too bad for you if you go through with it, blah, blah, blah. So she goes to the person who she thinks will be understanding, which is Wesley. So Wesley does, I guess, help her kind of come up with a plan. And they all end up confronting the professor angels there, but he gets, you know, distracted with another interdimensional portal demon thing. And Fred, meanwhile, does confront this professor, open a portal and try and throw him in it. And at the last minute, Gunn comes in and he is, you know, telling her she doesn't want to do this. She's not ready to do this. She shouldn't do this and to stop it. And she doesn't relent. And so Gunn steps in and cracks his neck and throws him down the portal. And that is more or less the end of the episode. And they do not explain to Angel exactly what happened, though. They tell him that it was the professor's own portal that he opened up and then accidentally fell in. Oh, also, meanwhile, Lauren is still recovering Sure, he's not really that important in this episode. And Cordelia is still living with Connor, and Connor, and it's, you know, like, should we even bother talking about it? It's just getting gross. They kiss. It was incredibly uncomfortable and disgusting. And then she decides to leave because she's like, this is incredibly uncomfortable and disgusting. (laughs) Disgusting. And goes back to Angel. And then the episode ends on what they think is a cliffhanger, which is her being like, oh, are we in love? Yeah. Not a cliffhanger. Sorry sorry to let my mocking tone out. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so clearly there was a part of this episode that I did not like. <laughs> Who's surprised at all by that? No one. So, I mean, honestly, like, what is there even to say about this? Like, Cordelia, they're writing her bad lines. She's got a crappy story. Connor is creepy as everything is bad. Why on earth would she kiss him? Doesn't well, make any sense. It's funny because I was thinking about that because I actually was a little bit charmed at the beginning when Connor sneaks into the hotel and, you know, Angel's kind of like, is she okay? And he's like, yeah. And Connor's like, I'm just getting some of her stuff because she asked for it, right? And so Angel mm-hmm. tells him, oh, you should take her slippers because her feet get cold. And Connor's like, yeah, yeah I know, because she's always stealing the covers, which is like a horrible thing to like reveal so- to Angel. But at the same time, I was really struck by Connor's like 
innocence in that whereas he doesn't really realize what that would signify to angel and like for him he really sounds in the moment like a little kid who's like annoyed because like someone's stealing the covers like and so i so i think you're right i was kind of like oh like that's kind of like interesting and sweet that like connor's just like yeah i know she's like always stealing the covers and like he truly means it as like god how annoying not like let me rub it in my dad's face that like i'm sharing a bed with the woman that he loves because like it's really Mm -hmm. innocent so to go in one episode from that to like full-on trying to like make out with cordelia and then i mean she she initiates initiates it it, but she kind of like she does it's kind of like, oh, wait, yeah, no, this isn't good. But then Connor's immediately like, oh, so, hey, you're my girlfriend now. Like, you know, that yeah. just seems a He's little bit so weird. And just also gross. Like, I was just, like, cringing the whole time. It's really off-putting. I actually, I'm not convinced that he was innocent when he said that or not. I do think he kind of delivered the line that way. And I don't think it's, I don't think you're wrong, but I'm, I think it could have, I think it could be either or kind of. And I'm not really sure what the show wants us to think because I never know what they think. <laughs> Because they don't make any sense. Because the whole direction of this is just disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just, it is just so creepy. Like, is Vincent Carthizer always this creepy? Maybe. Maybe, but, but like, also, I let's just, just take a step back here and, like, think about who these people are supposed to be. Like, Cordelia yeah. is 21, 22. From my estimate, Connor is, like, 17, maybe? 16, 17? I think he's supposed to be 17 or 18. I also said, I was like, I think he's 15 or 16. And Alex was like, I think he's 18. Something said he was 18, but I don't think they've ever said on the show how old he is. Because they don't know. It's not, you know, also, time wasn't measured in years in in Kortov. Yeah, so it's all all a little disturbing. Um, But we can move on from that part. It's disturbing. I didn't like it. I don't appreciate them trying to draw a love triangle between Angel and his son. Like, it's just so creepy. It's just so creepy. And not for any good payoff. It's just weird. I don't like the way that they've made Cordelia, like, this really, like, saccharine kind of... Like, they deified her at the end of the last episode. They, like, literally are treating her like she's she's just so reverent all the time. And I just don't like it. Like, they've taken all the fun out of her. Yeah, she it just made her and so in this sad episode, and weird. she gets a little bit of like combat training in, which is like leads to the kissing. But like she, she's just like cleaning up Connor's apartment and like it's like, are you yeah, acting like, like his it? mom or his girlfriend? And it, it, and they don't. And know. I also I don't agree think, that the big the like decided. the ending scene is not the big thing that everybody like that the writers seem to think it is. Like at this point, my biggest concern yeah. is not answering the question of whether or not Angel and Cordelia were in love with each other. Yeah. It's answering the question <laughs> of like what the hell is going on with this character. Like But also what at all about the events of this episode would lead her to that conclusion that she was in love with Angel. Like they didn't talk about it really. All all that happened is that maybe Connor kind of in jealousy like hid some pictures from her. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't see how she like gets to that conclusion i don't really care honestly Whatever. like i just right. like me I, neither because i'm so annoyed <laughs> me too but that said i mean let's talk about the rest of this episode which without all this weird nonsense going on, on the side probably would have been a pretty great episode or at least a good one i mean you know i'm grading on a curve <laughs> is this a great episode for angel and i still have a lot of questions. I but I thought it was at least interesting. I like Fred getting kind of some closure. But again, I just it, it did feel a little bit like 
what, so when I was talking about how like, oh, it's nice to see those flashes of Dark Willow in this episode so that later if they say something about it, it's not out of nowhere. I do feel like this is what I had in mind where I was like, I like that Fred has this dark side to her and I think it's totally fair, but I do feel like they pulled it out of nowhere. I feel like maybe, except that we've seen her exhibiting it a little bit before already, like in some of the earlier scenes this season. I guess season. with Connor Yeah, and with stuff. Connor and also the scenes where, you know, they're fighting all summer without Angel. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a little bit reminiscent of this. But fighting, but not wanting to tases Connor. murder people. Yeah. It, it also, like, like... It just was kind of a weird... It also feels a little bit yeah. jarring because, you know, they spent a lot of time at the beginning dealing with Fred's adjustment back to the human world. Yes. Um, but ever since then, like, ever since that episode with, like, her parents, they're basically treating yeah, they her never as, like, she's it. totally adjusted <laughs> and fine. And they've, so they've it's been, true. like, ignoring yeah. this whole thing. And so now to be, like, trying to call on this trauma and have it, Remember? Have it matter <laughs> is a little bit... It's a little bit weird because yeah, it's I mean, like, wanna, oh, well, you've been pretending this whole time that it, like, doesn't really exist and, like, now yeah. all of a sudden... It, but, like, it does make sense that maybe it would be resurfacing. Exactly. Because Fred is confronting the people in the world that she was quite literally yanked out of. Yes. Um, yes. The ret- the retcon, though, of, like, it being her professor who sent her through the portal, I, I'm i not sure how that was supposed to have worked. Like, did he plant the book for her to read? Like, you know. <clears throat> and they definitely I were know. trying to set yeah. it up so that you think it's the TA who's, like, the evil one. Sure. Um, but, I mean, other than the parts that just totally didn't work, like, there's a lot of good character work here. Like, I really love the whole... Yeah. Um... The whole interaction with Wesley and Lila was really good to me because, like, you know, Wesley's not just Their yeah, like Wesley's not just moving on from totally. what happened in the last episode, um, and also yeah, that continue. we see, mm-hmm. you know, even though briefly for a moment Wesley was happy with Lila, like he clearly hasn't let Fred go. Like he's reading her article, yes. he's going to the the speech, and Lila is as she's telling them, like, you know, she is the most likely suspect to have tried to attack Fred, but. It is funny that she's only there because she's jealous of Wesley and Fred. Yeah, yeah. That Fred doesn't even know that any of this is happening, too. And then also, I think the impact and the spotlight... Well, first of all, I want to say the spotlight in this episode on the relationship between Fred and Gunn is really interesting. Like, we just kind of of see them being, like, a normal couple. And then he's really excited Mm -hmm. for her and all this. But then, you know, the implications of what happens are going to be really interesting that... You know, we kind of see that it's yeah. not okay. Like, he did kill this man for Fred because he didn't want her to do it. But, like, as she's telling Wesley, the reason she loves Gunn is because he's not capable of doing something like that. But we see that he did it anyway. Yeah. So, clearly, he's not happy with having done that. So, that's going to be, you know, so that, yeah, that's Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. in a tough spot, and, and for also, sure. And also, the conversations that Fred and Wesley have, you know, where she's kind of, you know casually unknowingly like really also kind of twisting the knife with Wesley where she's you know saying like oh no that's what I love about Gunn and you know all this like you know Wesley realizing like her feelings for him are really real yeah but I also wonder why because he they had that whole debate about the portal where he was like well she's like I won't really have killed him if I just push him through it and he was like I mean basically yeah but then but like, right. why, like why not take why that not loophole push yourself, him in? <laughs> like the little out of like maybe he's still alive somewhere. Like I guess he wanted to know and not wonder. So he I think I think that and I think also recognizing how how bad the I don't know, maybe he thinks he was it was a mercy to like don't suffer through this the way everyone maybe. else has to. I don't know. 
It was a little shocking, though. Yeah, you know, it it, it was it was shocking, and I forgot that that happened. Um, I'm not sure really what to think of it or like where that leaves us. I kind well, of if we if we follow the Buffy rule, I don't know. Book, I'm not humans sh- is a no no. <laughs> Well, I'm sure I mean it is a no-no. I guess I just mean, like, I don't really know where that leaves them because I totally get why he did it. I guess I don't know if I totally buy her, like, oh, gun's so innocent. He would never do this. I, I, I don't want to, like, make assumptions, but I just feel like Gunn has been killing vampires for a long time. I don't know. He's been in this business for a long time. And I just not sure that that's like a reasonable assumption to make. I mean, it's a nice one to make or like, maybe doesn't, I don't think he's killed people before, but I just, I don't know. Something about that also felt a little bit like, I don't know where, I don't really know where Fred got that idea. And I don't know why, I don't know. It's like weird divide for her and gun to have. I thought they both kill and hunt things all the time. I know that it's a human and that makes it different, but I just, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, sure what to kind of make of where they both were in this episode. No, I agree. But that said, I mean, I kind of liked it anyway. I certainly, that was a a much bigger like draw to like, Oh, wonder what happens next week. I'm like, how are Fred and Gunn going to manage and get through this? That was a lot more interesting to me than like, Oh, are Angel and Cordelia unloved? Guess who doesn't care? Me. (laughs) So I, I do feel like to that point, like it is, it is at least, at least something interesting is going on, you know? something interesting I don't yeah I I know we've already talked about it but you just reminded me again like I'm still it's still shocking to me that they thought that was an interesting way to end the episode but sure I know god everything else in this episode was so much more you know like I said I have a lot of questions kind of I'm not sure I totally agree with all the decisions that they made about Fred and Gun in this episode but at the end of the day like they certainly set up an, an interesting conflict you know like that is I am ready to explore that and its consequences, but so why again? Like they always think the lead is something that is not. <laughs> like everyone else is so much. More they really are. I mean, the only part where I really liked Angel in this episode though was in the comic shop um, with Gunn, and Angel's oh, yeah. like obviously getting really into the comics. Like he's reading them and he's like chatting with a guy, and he finds out that he's, <laughs> he's a a subject in the chatty on the rooms. chatty boards or something. Um, <laughs> chatty rooms. But I yeah. really liked kind of that whole angle of like this idea that people on some level are aware that Angel is out there fighting the good fight. Um, yeah. Know, treating him like no, a you know, superhero. And, you know, and even Lila, I think, I don't know if this was intentional or if they were just thinking of stuff, like <laughs> comic stuff, but like Lila, you know, kind of quipping at Angel like, oh, Hulk smash. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I have to say, I actually did like Angel in this episode. And part of it is because like, he is a good supporting character. And I, I enjoyed that he was there to like help save Fred and to like not get suffocated by a demon because he was like hey guess what you can't suffocate me I don't know like I I do think he works on the sidelines I don't want to say that I only want him on the sidelines but like they didn't need to bring it back around to him at the end of the episode when he was like perfectly fine you know kind of it kind of felt like a contractual obligation where they were like oh yeah (laughs) you have to close every episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally Well, I did also judge Fred quite a bit for going back to Wesley in this way. Um, Again, I think it's interesting and I'm happy for like the drama that it's kind of inciting in a, in the, in the show in general. But I did feel very much like you haven't talked to Wesley in months. He's made it clear that like 
you weren't there for him when you needed him. And now you're going back to him when you need something. He only is not kicking her out because it's Fred. You know, he's kicked everybody well, else out when they come. Pa- so that's also around. an interesting thing. Well, is that he's not kicking yeah. her out because it's Fred, but she also is under the assumption that he is the one person that would still help her. And I was, I found myself wondering yeah. why she thought that, like, because I Fred has seemed I had a little bit question. oblivious yeah. about Wesley's feelings towards her, but this idea that she has that Wesley is pro-vigilantism and, like, you know, is the person to talk to if you want retribution, that felt really strange. Yeah. I thought so, too. And also strange that he went along with it. Because he does... I, I appreciate that he at least said, like, you know that they're right about the things that they're saying. You know, I took that as... I don't know. He that. knows that they're right. He agrees with them, even, but he's going to let Fred do what she feels like she wants and yeah. needs to do. Yeah, yeah, I can Because see that. he's Wesley, and he's the only one who truly loves her. <laughs> By letting yeah, her murder in his someone mind, that's how it works. And lose his, her soul, her metaphorical Sorry, I don't soul, know not her canonical soul, that, whatever that means. There definitely was, like, a tone of, like, <laughs> Wesley being like, I'm the only one who truly understands you, like, yeah. Oh, okay, good. No, it didn't come through, or maybe yeah. I just didn't pick it up. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, I am, I am at least interested. I think it was, I, I, I definitely think that like, Hey, you guys acted like all this part of Fred's life didn't exist anymore only to bring it back because like you were out of story ideas or something, but I think it is a good story idea. I just wish that they hadn't let it totally fall by the wayside for the last, you know, 20 episodes. I mean, the last they kind of referenced this was back when she was trying to bond with Connor um, about also having been in a hell dimension, no, about being but in she that's didn't true. really talk about her true. trauma of it so much as like, Hey man, I get you. Like, yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I am interested to see how this plays out because I yeah. don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what happens with Fred and Gunn. I don't remember exactly how Wesley is ever going to come back into the fold. So I've got a lot of questions and I am excited to see where it goes. See how I said so many I nice know. things about Angel. I'm so proud of you. The show. I even said nice things about Angel, the person. <sighs> where where are we at now? In a place where I say it's, nice things about Angel. It's a whole world. <laughs> I don't know if it's a world that I'm going to stay in, but... <laughs> no, I, I don't think it is. <laughs> um, all right, well, what have we got coming up next? We've got him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> uh-huh and that I, will be interesting i don't remember the name of the angel one i did look it up it's called I spin the bottle forgot. spin the bottle okay. don't know what that's about cool 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 so as right. usual means absolutely nothing okay well do you have any pop culture for this week Mm, I feel like I talked about Mulan Rouge yeah. for a long time so I'm gonna it's not my recommendation but I I feel like I'm I'm pass I'll yeah. take a pass I think I also sort of shouted out Hustlers, so uh, <laughs> that's fine. Um, I also did start watching Superstore, which I think that oh, you have recommended before. so good. Before. Um, yeah. Oh, it just came back, too. All the shows are back, and I forgot. I haven't watched any of them. I did watch The Good Place, so. Okay, I have to watch that still. Yeah. Um, oh, the lady that plays um, the old lady in Superstore just passed away this last week. Oh, really? Merle? Is that her name? Merle. Oh. Yeah. I mean, you've got four or five more seasons with her, so you're oh, okay. good. But I was trying to remember what I've seen her in before. She was in a lot of things. Mm. Probably like Parks and Rec and all the other Probably. <laughs> like ensemble and yeah, shows. Probably. Well, I'm curious how you make it through Superstore, but 
It is great and delightful. Well, I'm already on season two, so. The interstitials are the best in that show. Uh, I was thinking <laughs> that, like, the people just, like, doing random stuff. Like, that's <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. There was one where there's a little girl just, like, sitting on the floor, like, eating cookies and, like, drinking juice boxes and just, like, looking around. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, what team are you on this week? Ugh, team Anya. Uh, yeah. I think you kind of have to be. Yeah. Poor girl. Poor demon. Yeah. She went from Poor selfless to selfless. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we'll be back next time with selfless. No. Oh, my gosh. With him, <laughs> selfless and supersymmetry are what we just talked about. Yes. Um, with him and spin the bottle. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Let's hope it's a better game of spin the bottle than what we saw in uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry to bring that up again. <laughs> For a second, I thought you meant the mo- the book. And I was like, what? No. You mean, I know. I got it. I got it. I got it. The, buff- the weird Buffy episode. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Great. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have. And find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. Commentary.com.